0: In 1959, Barrett Strong released a song that was entitled, Money, That's What I Want. It would become his first number one song, and the song would later be redone by a smaller band named The Beatles. Perhaps a part of the reason this song was such a hit is because it adequately describes the desire of most Americans, money, I want more of it. And it would seem that no matter how much or how little of it we have, there is always a desire for more. But in the words of another Beatles song, money can't buy me love. In other words, money isn't everything. In fact, it would seem that some of the wealthiest, most successful people in the world are still the most broken and lonely people. Money isn't truly what will satisfy any of us. It may be nice to have it, but it will not truly bring satisfaction. We've all been given something. Some of us have been given more than others, but we've all been given something. In fact, I know that you've heard this before, but even if you live in poverty in the United States, you would rank in the top 25% of the world's population according to your wealth. Consider other places around the world today. I just looked up a few nations this week. it was somewhat random although I was also somewhat intentional. In Albania and Armenia, two countries that are considered part of Western Europe, the average monthly income is about380 dollars. That's obviously less than a100 dollars per week. In the Middle East, the average income for Afghanistan, Pakistan and India hovers around $100 per month. Do the math that's less than $25 per week. And in Africa the numbers are even lower in Madagascar and the Demo- Democratic Republic of Congo. The average the average annual salary not weekly or monthly is just over $400. Or consider this, it was reported this past week in Socialist Venezuela, the average monthly income has plummeted in recent years. The average monthly income in Venezuela is $6.50. That was for 2017. (laughs) Venezuelans lost on average 24 pounds in 2017 due to malnutrition. I think we've actually got it pretty good here in the United States. Today, you may look and say, well, Pastor, you don't know how little I have in my bank account. I'm just telling you, those nations I just mentioned, they wish they had your bank account. They wish they had the resources that are available to you. The real question for us should not be how to get more money. There may be times that that is a necessary question, but most often, that's not the right question. The right question is, what should we do with what we have already been given? Today's passage, the one that I read part of it to you, addresses this today. Look at it with me, beginning, this is Matthew chapter 6, beginning again in verse 19, but I'll read a little bit further than what I did earlier. I know normally I read from the NIV, today I'm reading from the New Living Translation, It's not because one is necessarily better than the other, it's simply because this is what I read typically in my devotional life, and as I was reading, this was something that stood out to me. It says this, beginning in Matthew 6, verse 19. Don't store up your treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. important ideas regarding our finances. And often we've used this passage talking about other things and we fail to look at the, the fact that there is a very strong presence of financial emphasis. The first key verse comes to us from verse 21, which states that where your treasure is, there your heart or the desires of your heart will be also. This principle can be applied in many ways. First, if you are living for the dollar, thinking that a little more money will produce happiness, then you will be sadly disappointed. It just doesn't work that way. You'll get more money, and then you'll need even more money. And then you'll get enough money, and then you'll need a little more money. And you'll end up in this endless cycle where you never have enough money. Listen to me. If your treasure is your money then your heart is in a very dangerous place because it will never, ever be satisfied. The reality is money is a wonderful thing, and we all love to have it, but money will never, ever be enough to truly satisfy us. But the other side of this statement is connected with how you use the resources that you have. Let me suggest to you that you are always investing the resources at your disposal. The real question is what you are investing in. Many of us are investing in the present, in the temporary. The blue boxes here on the table kind of demonstrate us investing in the present. In our daily lives, spending time and spending money on things that are going on today, that I need today, that I want today, the things that are coming up this week, I already know that certain portions of my money are going to go to those things. But the reality is that we do not just have to invest in the present or in the temporary. Others are investing in the eternal, which we have some gold boxes. And, of course, gold represents something of great value. And, of course, we're looking at that saying that this is our investment in the kingdom itself. Many invest in the temporary. Some invest in the eternal and some invest in both. It's interesting that the passage tells us not to invest in the temporary where moth and rust destroy or where thieves will break in and steal. Instead, we are instructed to invest in heaven. Well, What does that look like? Well, two weeks ago, I talked about the issue of tithing, and certainly that is a part of investing in the eternal, investing in heaven. But there is far more to it than that. What if everything you did was about kingdom building? I'm not talking about you taking a thousand dollar check to your paycheck and saying, you know what, I'm just going to give all thousand dollars to the church. That's not what I'm talking about here. What if everything you did was about kingdom building? What if every relationship Every activity, every trip to the grocery store, to the library, every expense was about reaching other people for Jesus Christ. For most of us, it's much more about the temporary. We love the idea of instant gratification it's what I want now, so I should be able to get it now. We've embraced the Burger King slogan of, it's your way right away. And if you've ever been at home on a weekday, you've probably seen a commercial for a company called J.G. Wentworth. Their slogan is, it's my money and I want it now. Well, too many of us are living for the now instead of for eternity. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I know that we make it sound really spiritual often when we do things, and we talk about it from an eternal perspective, but we live as if it's really about us and what we want and what we need. Verse 22 and 23 bring, bring in an interesting idea with regard to our financial stewardship, our investing. It talks about the eye being filled with darkness or light? Maybe you wonder, what does that have to do with money? But it has an incredible application here regarding money. Verse 23 says, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Well, What if we look at our finances and we think Everything must be good, and we see us as walking in light, but really, we're walking in darkness. I remember a song from the early 90s that said, what if we fall into the bottom of a well, thinking we've risen to the top of a mountain? What if we're knocking at the gates of hell, thinking we are heaven-bound? What if we spend our lives thinking of ourselves when we should have been thinking of each other? What if we reach up and touch the ground to find we're living life upside down? Far too many of us have been living life upside down, thinking that what we are doing is really about the kingdom when really the only one it's really been about is me. Living to satisfy our own desires. I fear that many in the church are truly living life upside down with their finances. We think we're good because we do this or we do that. We tithe or we helped a guy this week with a meal. So there must be plenty of light in us. But what if we were truly investing everything we had into eternity? How big a difference could you or I make with what God has given us? The second key principle is found in verse 24 of our passage talks about serving two masters. It just doesn't work. In fact, at some point, no matter how much they seem to be in agreement, you will have to decide which one is truly the dominant master in your life. Which one do you really live for? This is actually an issue that I've had to address even since I've been here as the pastor. See, shortly after I arrived here, I completed my master's degree And I began immediately teaching classes at Southern Wesleyan University, something that I really enjoyed doing, uh, partially because it gave me a small paycheck. It wasn't a huge amount, but I got paid something for it. Not long after that, I had the opportunity to start serving as the chaplain for the Clemson Police Department. Of course, I enjoyed doing that as well. But due to time management issues, you can't be a pastor and teach and be the chaplain and do all kinds of other things. So I had to choose which one I would do. I got to tell you, I don't get paid anything to be the chaplain for the Clemson Police Department. There's a part of me that would say, well, the logical thing to do then would be to give up being the chaplain, and I could still be a teacher and still get paid extra money. But the truth is, I felt called to being the chaplain for the Clemson Police Department. So I gave up teaching, even though there was a money loss that came with it. What I will tell you is this. God has never failed to provide for every single need. Regardless of what loss may come, God has never failed to provide for every single need. See, the reality is it's far more important to live in a way that honors God and his calling upon your life than it is for you to simply seek more money. We all need to determine who we really live for. Either we live for God or we live for money. Either we live for God or we live for self. Either we live for God or we live for something far less satisfying. Please don't get me wrong. It's not that having money is a bad thing, but if money is what is most important to us, then something needs to change. We cannot live for money and claim to live for God. Which one is it that you live for? See, the reality is, according to verses 25 through 33, God is more than sufficient to take care of our every need. We worry so much about making ends meet. We worry about having enough resources to do the things that we want to do. We worry about keeping up with everybody else. We worry about what could happen tomorrow. Again, I'm not telling you that you cannot be responsible with your money. You should be responsible with your money. You should take care of the things that God has placed in front of you. You should be one who prepares for tomorrow. But what I'm saying is that God is already able to take care of your every need. You don't have to worry about whether he'll be there. He knows exactly what will take place. So don't sweat the small stuff. I was in Lowe's yesterday, and I ran into a church family that had a hot water heater problem. Certainly, they didn't want to have to replace their water heater, but I loved their attitude. The wife shared that they had been responsible for setting up an emergency fund and that God had already provided for their need. Isn't that the root of the unexpected things that come our way? Being prepared, but trusting that God would be the one. Do you know that before that need arose, God knew that it would be there? And God was prepared for it, and he was ready to provide. So if God is able to care for the birds of the air or the flowers in the field, according to our passage, don't you also think that he is able to care for you? I don't know the things that you'll face this week, but I'll guarantee you God won't be surprised by it. I don't know the difficulty that may be waiting around the next corner for you, and maybe it's not this week. Maybe it's a month down the road or two months or two years down the road. God will never be surprised by those things because the truth is he's already been preparing for it. Often, he will take care of you through the responsible stewardship that you participate in in your savings. Uh, there's another box. Uh, where's the green ones? I'm not good with my colors. Here it is. There's another box that sometimes gets left out in the life of many in the church, and that is a savings box. You see, for many of us, again, we're living for today, so we're not really worried about anything else. It's all about what I can get today. I need to be able to do certain things. But the reality is every one of us needs to be preparing by saving money. I would suggest to you that a responsible budget will always include at least something for savings. Maybe it's small, maybe it seems insignificant at the time, but I just gave you that example of that family that needed a new water heater. The only reason why they didn't have to hit the panic button was because they had already been responsible stewards with what God gave them, and they had been setting aside small amounts of money each paychecks so that they would be able to do that. Sometimes God will provide through the responsible stewardship of God's people because they've prepared for those events. Other times it will be through the unexpected generosity of God and others. Either way, God is more than able to care for you and me. Verse 33 is a verse that has been quoted over and over again from the pulpit. The NIV says, to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Keeping this verse in its proper context, if, if we simply live for eternity, if we live for God, being responsible and resourceful, then God will provide for our every need. We need to be people who are constantly seeking the Lord above all else when we truly make him the God of our lives, not money, but make God the God of our lives, what happens is God continually is there to provide for us when other things come up. This leads us to our final verse today. In verse 34, it says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. This sounds like we're being told not to worry about saving money. Don't worry about that green box. You don't need to do that. That is not true. What it's telling us is that God has already seen what tomorrow looks like. He already knows what you'll need. You worry about today. You make sure that you use the resources God has entrusted to you in such a way that God would look at you and he would see you as an investment, a good investment. I told you earlier that everything that we use is an investment in something. For some, it's investing in the temporary. For some, it's investing in the eternal. For some, it's investing in personal pleasure. For some, it's investing in kingdom work. There is an investment nature to everything God has given to us. But did you know also that you yourself are an investment by God? You see, everything you have, you have because he gave to you. He entrusted it to you. He invested it in you. And he wants to know that what he invested was a good investment. He trusted Rusty to make good use of of the things at his house. He's got a big truck. He's able to do all kinds of stuff. He trusted Tim to be able to use the tools that God gave him so that he could make a difference in people's lives. He trusted Billy Faye to be able to go back to school and to be able to, to get an education so she would be able to do incredible things with writing and, and all kinds of... Every one of us has gifts and abilities, and God has entrusted us with those things. What is important is whether or not that was a good investment or not, and you are the one who will determine that for God. Will you be the good investment that he expects you to be? I want to challenge you today in this way. I've told you before that I want all of you to be successful, and I genuinely mean that. I hope God blesses you with incredible resources. But you need to decide today what you're really going to live for. If he gives you much, how will you use it to honor him? If he gives you little, how will you use it to honor him? We often think that if God would only give me such and such, then I would be able to give this or to do this. But what are you doing right now with what you already have? Everything you have is an investment. Are you investing in yourself or are you investing in him? Let's pray. Father, as we come before you today, Lord, it is our desire to truly honor you and to bring glory to you even through our money. Thank you for investing in us. Thank you for believing in us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to do incredible things through your generosity. Lord, I pray today for each one that you would help us to be faithful stewards in your work. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see the things that we have as your blessing and then to use them for your glory. I pray that you would help us to determine today what we'll truly live for. I pray that each of us would recognize that the money we seek will never satisfy us, but the one who grants us those blessings, those financial resources, is truly the only one who can meet our every need. I pray that you would become our God. With every head bowed and eye closed this morning, maybe today you recognize that you have been living for money. You've been living for self. You've been living for your own personal pleasure instead of truly allowing God to be the Lord of everything in your life. If that's you, I want to be able to pray specifically for you that God would truly become the Lord of everything for you. Would you simply raise your hand wherever you are? Thank you. Anyone else? Father, for the individual who just raised their hand today, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come in and that you would do incredible things. Lord, we have become so self-centered at times, and this is not just about tithes and offerings and all of that. It's what we've been living for. We've been living for me. We've been living for what I want. We've been living to try to keep up with everybody else around us. But we want to live for you. Knowing that when we live for you, we will invest in your work and we can truly become your instruments to change the world. Lord, I pray today that you would empower this church to be world changers. Begin with our finances, but then go beyond that. Lord, I pray that everything we have, everything we do, would be devoted fully to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Now, one of the things we do.